Well, good morning, church. It is wonderful to be with you again this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, Again, so thankful to be able to worship together and to be able to proclaim just all of these amazing things about our God that we know are true from his word. And so thank you for joining with us. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We are in week three of four of a series we've entitled Home Sweet Home. And today uh, we are looking at Ephesians chapter 5 and venturing into chapter 6. Uh, title of the message this morning is Picture Perfect. I hope you've been with us for the first two messages in our series. And uh, we have talked so far about foundation work and laying a foundation that is uh, on Jesus Christ and committing to the Lord that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And uh, week two, we talked about cleaning house and the necessity of confessing and repenting of sin and those things that would hinder us in our relationship and walk with Christ so that we might truthfully serve him. And this morning we want to venture into the New Testament and look at Ephesians chapter 5 and into chapter 6 as we look at the home and what I've entitled Picture Perfect. Um, I have four daughters, as you know, and I have a now 16-year-old in the home and uh, learning how to drive and all that. But this past month, when my oldest daughter, Ella, turned 16, uh, on the day of her birth and the following days after it, I had all kinds of memories on social media, Facebook memories and pictures that popped up in my feed, recalling back 16 years ago to around her birthday. If you have any kind of social media accounts or you have that, even on your phone sometimes, if you have pictures, it will say, on this day, uh, 10 years ago, this is what took place. And it's always a, a neat time of, of reminiscing and looking at these pictures and, and looking at and remembering different events that have taken place uh, as we look at those pictures. It does a lot for us, for our memories. Uh, I love looking at people's wedding pictures and all of the joy and excitement that surrounded that day and that was captured captured uh, by pictures to remind us of what took place. Same thing as when uh, you have a child and you have pictures of your newborn baby and, and all of the joy that surrounds that and being able to look back at those memories and look back at those times. Key events and, and things that have happened in our lives that we capture with pictures so that we can remember and not forget what happened there. And if you're like me, um, if you're looking at pictures and they're good memories, you naturally have a smile brought to your face when you look at those pictures. And if people were with you, you'll look at that picture and you want to say, oh, this was a great moment or a great story. Let me tell you what happened on that day. Or if you're with people that were with you, on those events or those activities and they're with you, you're like, oh, do you remember when? And you go back and forth and it's so exciting and all of it is generated by a picture, by a memory that brings you back to whatever that event was or whatever activity or special moment that happened. I believe in many ways as we look at the scriptures this morning, we're going to see that God's design for our homes And more specifically than just our homes, but God's design for our marriage relationship between a husband and a wife is to be a picture that points people to Christ. It's a picture that points people to our Lord Jesus Christ and brings him glory. And I believe we will see that. As believers in Christ, our homes should be a picture of peace and grace, of joy and blessing. Our homes should be examples for a watching world. Our homes should glorify the Lord. 
And this is seen and accomplished as we grow and are obedient to the Lord in both our public and private lives. And so when I describe what our home should be like, if I were to say to you, listen, as believers in Christ, your home, my home, our very lives and the relationships that take place within our homes should be a picture of peace, of grace, of joy, of blessing. They should be examples for a watching world. They should glorify the Lord. If, if we would listen to this thing and say, that is not my house. I'm glad you're here this morning. <laughs> Because all of us, all of us fall short of that, don't we? We all fall short of that. But through Christ and in Christ, we can allow our lives, our homes, our relationships to be that which is a picture exactly of what God intended it to be. And that's what I want to look at this morning. And so I hope you're ready for this. Uh, I know it is a challenge for us this morning to consider this idea of our homes, our lives, our relationships accurately pointing people to Jesus. And so let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. We'll begin with verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. As we go to the text this morning, what I would like to do is point out three truths for us to examine that we'll see in the text and then provide three challenges as we seek to pursue and make our lives, our homes, examples of the pictures of the grace of God in our lives. So three truths I want us to see and then three challenges. I'll just warn you this morning, no one is safe this morning as we look at this text. Uh, because whether you are a husband, a wife, a mom, a dad, if you are a child, if you are a single or married individual, there are responsibilities that are laid out before us as we seek to honor the Lord Jesus Christ in our homes. And so buckle up as we get into this text this morning. So let's start with these three truths. First, we need to understand that God has a specific design and plan for our homes. And this is important for us to understand. God has a specific design and plan for our homes. I remember when I was a kid, if we were gonna be having company over or we were going to be having a party of some sort for people, birthday party, etc., my mom would do grocery shopping and there would be certain groceries that she would buy that were off limits to us. They had a designated 
purpose. Most of the time it was like ice cream that was in the freezer or if it was like a, a certain bags of chips, maybe it was certain things that were going to be put out for people like as an appetizer and there were certain things that were needed for the meal. And so when she would buy those items and they would come into our house, there would be like an announcement made that you are not to open these things because this is for when we have company over. Ever had that happen when you were a kid growing up? And so now we do the same thing in our house with our daughter or for girls. If my wife goes and buys groceries and we're going to be having company over and there are certain designated things that are off limits, we make a public service announcement in our house. We tell everybody, nobody open those chips, right? Nobody eat those cookies. Most times she's looking right at me. Nobody eat those things. It's one of these situations where we understand, we understand what is meant by having a designated purpose when it comes to those groceries. Can I just inform us this morning as, as children of God, God has a designated purpose and design for your home and for my home. God has a specific purpose for us in our homes, in our relationships, in our marriages, in the relationship between husband and wife and wife and husband, between parents and children and children and their parents, God has a design, a specific design and plan for our homes. This is designated with a purpose. This is, this is true in our lives personally. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, same chapter where Paul's laying all these things out, he begins the chapter by saying, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. There's a very specific point and purpose God has. He is saying that in the life of the believer in Jesus Christ, our very lives, our living should be a picture of that relationship we have with our God. He says, be imitators of your heavenly father as his dear child. That goes for all of us individually as followers of Jesus. But then he goes on, he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. God's designated purpose and plan for your life and my life as a follower of Jesus Christ is to be an imitator of our heavenly father. As his dear child, it's to walk in love and walk in light, he says in this text. Walk wisely, not as fools, but as wise, and to make the most of the time because the days are evil. This is during Paul's day. He says, redeem the time because the days are evil. Folks, we live in evil days and evil times. In a world that embraces evil and in the midst of a world that embraces evil, which is nothing new. We are called to be light in that world. We are called to walk in light and to imitate our Father who is in heaven. There's a specific design and purpose and plan for your life and my life as a follower of Christ. But that specific design and purpose also flows into our marriages, into our homes, into our relationships. If you just look at the text before us, verses 22 uh, to the end of the chapter, verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, but it says, as to the Lord. Verse 23, husbands, the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ. Verse 25, as Christ loved the church. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her. Verse 27, that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, just as Christ loved us. Verse 28. 
I'm sorry, verse 30, just as Christ loved us because we are members of his body. Verse 32, the mystery is profound. I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church over and over and over and over again in verses 22 to the end of the chapter, verse 33. He is referencing and pointing back again and again to the relationship that Christ has with the church. He's pointing again and again to the relationship that we have with him and the picture and presentation that should be present in our lives in husband and wife relationships and in our homes. God has a specific plan and design for us. If you remember back at the first week of the series, we were in Joshua chapter 24, and Joshua would challenge the nation of Israel. He would say, choose this day whom you will serve. And Joshua's response to them was, as for me and what? My house, we will serve the Lord. You see, we set this foundation, the foundation work that was there, that it is vitally important that our homes were committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and to service to the Lord. Why? Because God has called us to that. He has a specific design and purpose. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we referenced this in week one, but we actually didn't read it, and I want to read it this morning. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children to talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your head and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Old Testament scriptures in Deuteronomy The nation of Israel is commanded to hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And he goes on to speak and and, and give the explanation that this means obedience to all that the Lord has commanded, and this should be taught diligently in your homes to your children. It should be constantly be a reminder for you as you rise up and as you lay down and wherever it is you go. In the New Testament scriptures, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? And he said, this same command, you shall love the Lord your God first and love your neighbor as yourself. We realize God's specific design and purpose, not only individually for us as followers of Christ, is to love the Lord, to make him known, but also in our homes, that our homes should be a picture of that grace and and joy and obedience and blessing that is found in the Lord. God has a specific design. God has a specific purpose. God has a specific way that he wants us to follow after him. And his design and plan is perfect. But I wonder, are we seeking that and fulfilling that in our day-to-day lives, in our homes, and in our living? Where do our priorities lie? Doesn't this go back to the very challenge from week one? Are we committed to, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that what people see of us and know of us as followers of Christ? 
It's a a truth that I think we have to understand and we really need that foundationally. God has a specific design and plan for our home. Secondly, God has specific roles and responsibilities for each of us in our homes. God has specific roles and responsibilities for each of us in our homes. In our house, we have on our refrigerator a chore chart. Anybody ever used a chore chart before? But it's a chore chart and what it has is our four daughters their names are on there, and then Monday through Saturday, it has chores that they were are supposed to be designated to do. And so somebody has uh, chores one day, and the other person has it the other day, and so on and so forth. But on that chore chart, there are specific responsibilities spelled out for our kids to follow each of those days. And, and sometimes there are days when, uh, as anybody, they're not really like feeling like they'd want to do those particular chores. But they're there, they're spelled out. And so we can go over to that chore chart and we can look and say, okay, whose day was it to do X, Y, Z? And we don't really have to wonder because we can go over to the chart and look at it and be like, okay, it was this person's time to do it on this day. Do it. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be great if God spelled out for us the specific responsibilities that he had for us in our relationships, in our marriage, in our homes? Wouldn't that be just great if he did that he did he did and this was pretty incredible don't we try to complicate things sometimes don't we sometimes be like just tell me what to do I'll do it God has told us what to do And, and here's the thing we don't always like what God tells us we are supposed to do we don't always like it now, I'm fortunate because in, in our home, our, our daughters, we just have four wonderful daughters. They, they have two incredible blessings. They take after their mom and their looks, and they take after their dad and their height. And so they are blessed in two different ways. <laughs> but I'm also blessed because they're, they're very obedient. They, they listen. They do what they're supposed to do. And when everybody is doing what their role is, things run smoothly. And things look good. But when people don't want to do what they're supposed to do, chaos can ensue. And I think sometimes as believers, we forget God has a specific role and responsibility for us in our marriages and in our homes. And sometimes it doesn't sit well with us because we don't always agree. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if we agree. Because God is God. And we are not. And what further complicates these roles and responsibilities is our society does not agree with these roles and responsibilities. But God is God, and we are not. And so we don't want to shy around this. We don't want to skirt around this. We want to look at these roles and responsibilities in our marriages, in our homes. And that's what we're going to do right now. God has specific roles and responsibilities for each of us in our homes. I want to start by talking to husbands. So husbands, we're going to talk about the role that you have in your marriage, in your home. Look at verses 25 to 33. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If we stopped right there, if we stopped right there, And had an invitation for every husband in this room 
that needs to confess and repent because we are not loving our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Probably every husband in this room would need to be down front on this altar because we fail at this time and time and time again. This is the high calling that you have as a husband. Men, think of your actions and your words to your wife. Husbands in this room, think of your words and actions to your wife. Are the words and actions we are demonstrating towards our wife modeling the example of Christ's love for the church that's our responsibility that's the role God has given to us husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We don't have time this morning to dive into all that is in these verses because that's a standalone message. But to summarize what he says in these verses, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This is the responsibility that you and I have as husbands. So men, as we think about our actions and our words, are we modeling this mindset? Are you loving your wife in a manner that would show forth selflessness, sacrifice, authenticity, that you value her above anyone or everything else apart from the Lord, and that care for her, her spiritual well-being, her walk with Christ, her needs, her desires, her emotions, her feelings, that those matter more to you than even your own. That's what we're called to as husbands. Men, there is no room if we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it for pornography. There's no room for it. There's no room for sexual sin. There's no room for any other women to be in our lives in any kind of intimate relationship. Emotional Physical, social, there's no room for that. There's no room for us to compare our wives to another woman and desire her to be like someone else. There's no room for that. 
There's no room, men, if we are fulfilling the God-given role and responsibility he's given to us for us to put ourselves first. That's not what you have been called to. That's not what I've been called to. There's no room for you and I as men to ignore the needs and desires of our wives. If we are to love as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, changes need to be made so that we can eliminate selfishness, pride, arrogance, ego, and our own desires, oftentimes sinful, in deference to love, care, and cherishing our wives as the one that God has given to us. For this reason, he says in this very text, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Husbands, I ask you, are you loving your wife in that manner? Are you serving in that manner? Are you leading her in that manner? That's what you've been called to. That's what I've been called to. He says in verses 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. People look at this text, and this is where we go to the role of the wife in submission to their own husbands and allowing and following the lead of their husbands. This is where the world makes this out to be something absolutely disgusting. And it's disgusting that they make it disgusting. This is not unclear. It's not unclear. People look at this text and they'd be like, well, it's not really what he's saying. It's not what I mean. God understand Paul was writing in a time period where this was no, this is what God says. And God uses the creation order as the example of the leadership of the husband over his wife. Because Adam was created first and then Eve. That has nothing to do with what culturally was happening in Paul's day and age. That has to do with the very creation account itself. The role that a husband has in his marriage relationship is to lead his wife in a way that honors Christ. The role that a husband has to his wife in the marriage relationship is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by sacrificing himself even as Christ did in his love for his wife as Christ did for the church. And the role that the wife has in that marriage relationship is to submit to the leadership of her husband as unto the Lord. People look at this and say, man, that's ridiculous. That's so harmful. Listen, if a husband is loving his wife as Christ loved the church, as Christ gave himself for the church, and he is loving and caring for the emotional, physical, mental, spiritual needs of his wife, if he is putting his wife's needs, desires before his own, if he is loving in that manner, then there is every joy surrounding a wife submitting to the leadership of her husband. This is not unclear, it's clear. It's not popular, but it's clear. God's design for the marriage relationship is that a husband will lead his wife in the fear of the Lord, that he will love her as Christ loved the church and that the wife would submit to the leadership of her husband and follow it. That's God's design. And that design is on purpose Because the marriage relationship is meant to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. There are so many bad examples of that in our world. Might the church be filled with the examples that should be present as we submit to the leadership the Lord has given to us? Parents, 
Parents, we are called to train our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Chapter six, verse four. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This calls back to that passage in Deuteronomy that we read, the necessity of teaching and leading our children in our home through the, the ministry of the word of God. We have a responsibility as parents not to provoke our children to anger, not to cause them uh, to anger, not to make them frustrated because of our leadership, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You have a responsibility, dad. You have a responsibility, mom. You have a responsibility, parent, to train your children in the ways of the Lord, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, and here's the thing. This is just to speak as someone who was a former youth pastor. Youth pastors cannot do what only you can do as their parents to their children. Parents, the intent of youth ministry is not that you can say, good, someone else can train my child in the ways of the Lord because I don't want to or don't know how to do it. That is not the intent. Our children's ministry, great ministry that teaches the word of God to our children. Our youth ministry, great ministry that teaches the word of God to our children. Our church ministry, great ministry that teaches the word of God to the children that are in this church. But we cannot do what you can do as parents in your home. You have a responsibility, parents, to teach and train your children in the things and ways of the Lord. And how are we doing on that? Can I ask you to look at your home and ask, is it clear in your home that the Lord is more important than anything else? Is God more important in our homes than sports? Is God more important in our homes than money and possessions and things? Is God more important in our homes than honor amongst others? Is God simply more important and do our children know that? Parents, you have a role and responsibility to train your children in the instruction and knowledge of the Lord, to fear him, to know him, to love him, and to model that for them. That's a high calling, but it's a God-given role and responsibility. Children, verses one to three, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children, obey your parents. You say, I don't want to obey my parents. I don't want to, got to obey your parents. It's pretty black and white. Here it is. You say, sometimes that's hard. It can be hard. But you're doing it as unto the Lord and for his glory. But do you see how our homes function so much more gracefully, so much more joyfully when we look at these roles and relationships? Because if a husband is loving his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, a wife will desire to respect and submit to that husband. And as parents are leading and teaching their children in the ways of the Lord and honoring the Lord in how they do that, there's no reason children should not want to obey their parents. This is the picture that God wants of our homes and of our relationships that will glorify him. It leads to the third point. When we obey God's commands for our homes, we can be assured God receives glory and we receive blessing. With obedience comes the peace, joy, grace, and blessing that we mentioned at the beginning of the message. God receives glory as we obey him and point others to him. 
picture perfect. As we obey and fulfill the roles and responsibilities that God has clearly laid out for us in our homes, in turn, the Lord receives glory. We are blessed and we see joy, grace, blessing in our homes. That's how God's designed it. That's what God's intended for us. How are we doing on these things? Again, these aren't complicated. They're not muddy. They're clear. How are we doing? Let me just give us quickly three challenges. Number one, be honest and clear about your God-given role in your home. Be honest and clear about your God-given role in your home. It's laid out for us here. Be honest about it. Be clear about it. Tune everything else out. What does God expect, desire, and command of you in your home, in your relationships, in your marriage? Number two, commit to acceptance and accountability in your role. Commit to acceptance and accountability in your role. And number three, commit to growth and action in your role. Not just talking that talk, but walking that walk. Commit to growth and action in your role. Which, by the way, is God-given. These can be hard things to implement and to follow through with. But there's blessing when we do.